Good afternoon. I am Pastor Antonio Eubanks of Heat Ministries, where we believe in using the Word of God to heal, empower, and teach, so that you may be properly equipped to help establish the kingdom of God and its principles in your families, communities, and world. If you're in the metro Atlanta area, we invite you to attend our Sunday service for a life-impacting experience. Please visit our website at heatministries.org for more information. We would love to hear from you. But for now, we pray that you enjoy this message. God bless. The journey is too great for you. See, that's what's... It's too great. The journey is too great for you. Why? Why? Because in that journey, you're going to go through some things. Uh-huh. And see, it's too great for you, but how many know that with God, what? All, All things, things are possible. possible. Amen. Yeah. See, we have Elijah right here. As I just said, previous chapter, he had just called down fire from heaven. It was a contest between him and all the prophets of Baal which was about 3,000 of them. So it was him against 3,000. And he said, you you put your sacrifice over here, I'll put my sacrifice over here, and I bet you my God show up. See, this is a man who, who believed in the power of God, who believed in the word of God, who stood on the word of God. He was standing on the word of God. Even in, even in the, uh, Chapter 18, the last verse of 18, it says, Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And then it says he girded up his loins, which we know that's where the truth is. Because it talks about in Ephesians, the better truth. So he, he's standing in his truth. And then it says he outran Ahab to Jezreel. This is the man of God who is standing and believing and hoping on it. And, and when I say hope, I mean expectation. I'm not talking about wishing. He expecting God to show up. How I many know that to build an altar in front of all that crowd like that and you stand out there and say, God, bring down your fire. Yeah. Uh-huh. How many know that's going to take some expectation Amen. so that you don't look like a fool? Because even the word of God say the man who built the house is what? Count the cost. Because you don't want to halfway build it and everybody talking about you. See, if you're going to stand on the word of God, then you need to make sure, first of all, you're standing on the accurate word of God. Not what your mama said and what your grandmama said. Because they might have had it a little, a little different than it really was in the word. So make sure you're standing on the right word. But then when you're going to stand, make sure that you're standing with what? Expectation. As we always say, come in here with what? A spirit of expectation. See, if you're not expecting nothing, you won't get nothing. I know that life doesn't let you down sometimes. I know that you done been disappointed before. I know that people said they was going to do this, and then they end up not doing that. I know that they said that they was going to be there, but then they were somewhere else, and now you done lowered your expectation. So you saying, well, I don't want to expect nothing. That way I won't get disappointed. The devil is a lie. If you don't expect nothing, you headed for disappointment. You can almost guarantee it. You can almost guarantee it. See, we can expect from God. Because God says, I'm not a man. Come on. That I should lie. So if I said it, what? It's got to happen. He said, my word shall what? Not return to me void. Meaning it ain't a canceled check. Meaning you can cash this one. You ain't got to worry about, do I deposit it today or do I have to wait? Is this post dated or what? No. God said, cash it. Cash it. Cash it and see what you get. But see, we got... 
Elijah here, and he's he's done all this great work of God, and he stood on what God has said. But now we read in the text that that for some reason he's sitting here asking God to take his life, to take his life. But how does all that transpire? How do we get from a man who who is Standing on top of the world, so to speak, who done stood on this word and he done saw it manifest like we done prayed for some God. I want my relationship to be restored. I want this job you done promised me. And now it's here and everything that you done prayed for done showed up. But now you done went from mountain high to valley low. Now all of a sudden you like. Oh my God. See, that's what happens a lot of times. People say, well, it's going too good right now, so something gotta happen. Oh. See, that's the expectation of our mind. We think that things can't just stay going good. Something gotta happen. And we see right here what this something is. If in the very second verse, it says, then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah. Saying that, so may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow. So we're getting a message from the enemy. A message from the enemy. How many know that when things are going good for you, when God is making your prayers come to life, how many know that the enemy is going to be right there in your ear as well? God, you know, this ain't going to last. You, you you only got it cause 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 God favored you this time, but but what about next time? And you remember the last time He left you out there to dry, and then what about that person over here? See, the enemy gonna keep staying in your ear, and to bring him from all the way out here in the spooky pooky, uh, uh, holy than thou real, that enemy can be what that very person standing next to you called your friend. That enemy can be your family member. That enemy can be that enemy can be on your job as your boss. The enemy can show up any kind of way. He don't care who he used to get his message through. See, Jezebel wasn't the one talking to Elijah. All right. She did what? She sent a messenger. See, we're looking for this little man running around in a in a red suit with a horns and a tail and a pitchfork. And no, he's saying, I'm sending a messenger. Because see, the messenger you gonna think is your friend. The messenger you gonna think is somebody who care about you. The messenger is gonna be somebody who you think cannot harm you. But inside of the messenger is my message. And inside of that message is my mess. And that's what she sends to Elijah. And certain translations say in that verse where it says, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow, certain translations say, if I don't make your soul, your soul, what is your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. See, that's what the enemy is really after. The enemy is after your mind. He knows that if he can get your mind, then guess what? He got everything else. See, when I was out there tricking and dipping and whatever and doing my thing with females, I knew that that was the key. If I could get their mind, then everything else was mine. Whatever I wanted. If you want the money, you want the car, you want the clothes, you want the sex, whatever you want. If you get the mind first, operate in the mind. If, and that's what the enemy does. He says, if I can establish ground in the mind, if I can just get their mind, if I can just get the, if I can just sow my seed in their mind, then I know that their mind is so powerful. Uh -huh. 
See, the enemy knows how powerful our mind is. Why? Because we were created in the image of God. Image is imagination, which is our thoughts. Then it says we were created in his likeness, which means we look like. But image is in the imagination. So the enemy knows that if I can place this seed in their head, then all, all I got to do is step back. I don't have to do nothing else. I just step back. I just come and whisper this little bit, and then I'm gone. And then because of the power of their mind, then they're going to take this thing, and they're going to take it from a seed of doubt. Because that's all she did right here. She placed doubt in it. Because how many know that if she really wanted to kill him, why the messenger didn't do it? Why the messenger didn't kill him? I mean, if the messenger got close enough to give him a message, why he didn't get close enough to kill him? If that's what she really wanted. Yeah. Now, see, the devil know that ultimately because the hand of God is on you, on he can't kill you. He can't touch you. He can't destroy you. He may seek to do so. He may want to do so. He may desire to do so. But because the hand of God is on your life, because God is saying, no, you can't have him. He is mine. Touch not what I have anointed. This is mine. If you raise up your tongue against him, then you shall come down because God is on your life. What? The devil can't destroy you. So what does he got to do? He got to plant the seed so that you destroy yourself. Oh, come on. Oh. And see, that's why it's interesting that in the verse 8, in chapter 18, when it says that he ran on to Jezreel, Jezreel is, is, is translated in the Hebrew to where God sows, meaning where God plants seeds. So he ran ahead of Ahab to where God sows, but then Ahab gets there and he starts sowing some other stuff to Jezebel. How many know that that in the middle of in the middle of the garden it says that the wheat and the tares will grow together? Meaning the wheat and the weeds they both go together. But when it's all said and done, God says I'm gonna separate the wheat from the tares. I'm gonna separate the wheat from the mess. I'm gonna take all this thing together. Yeah, I'm gonna let it grow together. I'm gonna allow it to do something. I'm gonna allow that messenger to get through to you. But when it's all said and done, I'm gonna separate the mess. Okay, all right. yes. The battle is not yours. Mm -hmm. The battle is not yours. But see what happens a lot of times, just like here with Elijah, we allow we allow fear to set in. Mm. We allow that fear to set in because it sounds true what they said mm. at the doctor. Mm. It sounds true what they said on your job. Mm -hmm. It sounds true. What they said about your brother or your sister. It sounds true. All that sounds true. Because that's what fear is. It's false evidence appearing real. It's not saying that that is not true. I mean, yeah, if you get a doctor report and they say that something is wrong, it's not saying that you got to be all, you know, all uh, so positive thinking that you don't believe that it's not real. It's just that, okay, this is what you said, but I know I got a word of God that says something else. Yeah, I'm going to go through your little process, but at the same time, I got a process over here that I'm going to go through as well. See, I know you're going to give me medicine, which really ain't nothing but a drug to sustain me, but over here, I'm going to come and get some healing so that I can get off of what you got over there. But in between those two places, mm -hmm. between that medicine and that true healing is fear. Mm -hmm. 
because we take the medicine and it don't seem to be working. We pray for the healing and it seems to get worse. How I many know sometimes when you pray for something, it don't get better. It seems to get worse. And that's what happened right here with Elijah. He prayed for all these things of God to show up in his life and to do things. And things didn't get better. It seemingly they got worse. But it wasn't because the enemy was 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 going to attack him or destroy him. It was because God was allowing the enemy to put the squeeze on him. And see what God is doing. He's saying again, my hand is on you. Even if the enemy is squeezing you right now, even if the enemy has got a hold of you right now, even if the enemy is pressing you right now, don't worry about it. The battle is not yours. All it is is I'm putting you through the process. I'm going to allow the enemy to do this because I'm going to use what he's trying to do for my good. And it's only through the pressing that the oil is revealed. It's only through the pressing that the oil is revealed. It says, but but we come into this fear sometimes. Turn turn quickly to um, Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29. And I want to look at verse 25. And, and, and I want to show you something right here that's, that, that's going to take the power away from this enemy. We, we give him... Not we give him too much credit. See, a lot of times we look at the devil, and I'm not saying he doesn't exist. I'm not one of those who say he don't exist because I know that there is an enemy, there is an adversary. However, he doesn't have the power that we think he does. His power is truly a power of suggestion. A power of suggestion. Catch that, somebody. Power of suggestion. When somebody suggests something to you, do you have to do it? I suggest that y'all all go and buy me something to eat after service. That's just a suggestion. Or like a little suggestion box on your job. You put the suggestion in, do that mean your job gonna do it? Half time we know that that really ain't nothing but just something to appease you. They just saying, just put it in there, just put it in there. It make, make you think we listening. Suggestion. That's all the enemy has. He did it in the very beginning. He suggested to Eve, surely you will not die. He doesn't have the power of command. He can't make us do anything. He only can suggest. Jezebel sent the messenger. Why she didn't come herself? Why she didn't let the tell the messenger to kill him? No, it's only the suggestion that you're going to die. And in verse 25, Proverbs 29, 25, it says, the fear of man brings a snare. Hmm. You mean to tell me the devil don't lay those snares? The devil owns the snares, but it's your fear that lays them. Catch that. The devil owns the snares, meaning he owns the things that's going to trip you up. He owns the things that's going to trap you. He owns the things that's going to bind you. He owns the things that's going to shackle you. But it's the fear of man. It's the fear of man that brings it on. Paul says that the thing that I fear the most seems to be what? Upon me. Up on me. The thing I fear the most. So God is saying right there, what is what is your thought process? What are you thinking right there when you're going through some things? What are you thinking when, when the devil is, is sending his messengers? What are you thinking? Are you immediately jumping to fear? 
And see, a lot of us, we pray, and we call it praying, but actually, all we're doing is fearing. Because when we praying, we praying prayers of fear. We praying prayers of worry. We praying prayers of doubt. Meaning, God, if you want to do this, if it's your will, God, then do this. If you if you see fit, God, if you love me, God, those are prayers of fear. Because if it's your will, God, how do you ever let that come out your mouth? That means that you don't know what His will is. Amen. Amen. I know it's tight, but it's right. That means that you don't know what his will is. Never let that come out your mouth. It's better to shut up and not say nothing yeah. than to say if it's your will. Because then you immediately tell him, God, I don't really know you, but if you really want to do this, then you can do it. That's just like in the natural. You know who who will who give you something and who won't. You know who will give you, loan you some money and who won't. You don't come up to them if you let me borrow some No, you come up and let me borrow some money. Let me borrow. Let me borrow your car. Let me do it. Then you know the ones who won't. You you can you can have a side story from here to to tomorrow, and they ain't gonna give you a penny. And you you don't even go to them with all that ifing and all that him and horn. So why do we go to God him and horn if God and I don't know and 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 probably and maybe and and. and you know, and hoping and wishing and rubbing on the Bible and sticking bills in the Bible and, and, and all that kind of stuff, thinking this stuff going to happen just because you done laid it in the Bible. Putting the Bible under your pillow thinking osmosis going to make it drain into your brain. Got Bibles opened up on coffee tables with dust two inches thick on it because that's the only page that has ever been open to. Yes, you're going to pray if it be your will because you don't know what his will is. Because he says, if those who lack wisdom, all you got to do is ask. Come on. God, what's your will? Then he'll tell you. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. But it says that the fear of man brings a snare. Mm. But he who trusts the Lord will be exalted. Yes. That's it. That's the juxtaposition right there. What does that fancy $5 word mean? That's the counter action right there. Mm-hmm. Fear brings a snare. Trust brings ex- exaltation. One going to trap you, uh-huh. and one going to set you up. The choice is yours. Yeah. The choice is yours. See, we got to know when, when we're going to trust. But it's easy to trust when you calling fire down. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's easy to trust when you making it rain and God is answering all your prayers. Yeah. It's easy to trust when the paycheck's showing up every two weeks yeah. and the bills are getting paid a month ahead. It's easy to trust when everybody loving you and praising you. It's easy to trust when when, when your church is filled and then you got two services because you can't get them all in at one time. It's easy to trust when it's all that going on. But how many going to trust when it ain't number one that show up? How many going to trust when the bill money ain't really all down? But you got to sometimes rob Peter just a little bit so that you can pay Paul. I don't suggest that. Get you a budget. But you understand what I'm saying. But you understand what I'm saying. Amen. How many going to really trust God when the, when the, when the rubber meet the road? Man, man. Or, or when the boo-boo hit the fan? And some of y'all really know what they really say. Go ahead and shame them, cast that out your head. But when the boo-boo meet the fan, amen. How many know you're going to have to trust God then? Yes, yes. That's when you got to trust God. But see, Elijah, it seemed like for whatever reason, he, he, he forgot just based off of a message. 
just based off of something that somebody suggested. Yeah. And I'm asking you today, what is somebody suggesting to you that might not truly be the word of God, but you running with it? And I'll even ask a deeper question. What are you suggesting to yourself that might not even be accurate, but you running with it? You suggesting to yourself that you're inferior. You suggesting to yourself that you're not enough. You suggesting to yourself that you don't have enough time. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough connections. You don't have enough way out. You don't have enough strength. You don't have enough good grades. You don't have enough friends. You don't have enough popularity. What are you suggesting to yourself? You don't have enough love. You don't have enough, you don't have enough people supporting you. What are you suggesting to yourself that you running with? Because see, that was a power of suggestion by the messenger in this verse. But then it says in verse three that, that he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life. See, you ain't running for somebody else's life. You running for your life. Can't nobody live this but you. So when it's all said and done, even the suggestions that somebody else give you, you got to take them in and run with it. He ran with this thing. He ran with this thing. He could have left the message with the messenger. Matter of fact, he could have sent the me a message back to the with the messenger, just like Nehemiah. See, you should have been talking to brother Nehemiah over there. She called Nehemiah, and the enemy came after Nehemiah. Why are you building these walls? Come on down these walls. We need to come on here and meet with you. He said, you know what? I got work to do, and I'm going to stand on this wall till work is done. Now, don't tell that. See, that's all Elijah had to really do. That lets me know that, that Elijah had a predisposition for, for, for falling away sometimes, like a lot of us do. We got a predisposition for, for our faith being like pushed away, for throwing our faith away a little bit every once in a while when things get a little tough. You just done killed 3,000 of, of her best prophets, and then you scared of this little messenger that she done sent. And you go running. Now, the first place he runs is good because he runs to Bathsheba. Bathsheba is translated to, to ordained praise. And, and, and it says, which belongs to Judah, which we know is praise. So he runs to, he runs to praise, which is what you're supposed to do when things get tough. You go and you start praising the Lord. Because it says when you praise God, what? When praises go up, blessings what? Come down. So he, he he was trying to do right. He was trying to be in the right. And that's what happens a lot of times is, is we'll, we'll, we'll be going through some things and, and the word will come back and we start praising God. And then we start we start feeling a little better. And, and catch that. I said feeling a little better. See, we can't let praise evoke our emotions. That's why a lot of people are sit through praise and worship because they're trying to have their emotions evoked. If you're trying to get your emotions evoked, you're not looking for praise. You're looking for entertainment. Yeah, Amen? Yeah, yeah, because, see, true praise will happen no matter what. Praise will happen because you just thought about five minutes ago when you were driving yeah. to the praise and worship service where you could have been took out by the car that yeah. ran through the red light. That's what praise will do. Yeah. You don't need to be entertained when you know that God was the one who helped you through that last situation. Yeah. Ain't nobody got to tell you to stand up and clap and praise God. It says the word of God that if you won't do it, the rocks will cry. The rocks will know saying, I know that you are the God of most high. You the one who placed me here. You saved me here. You made 
made me into an igneous rock. You made me into a, 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 a kafirious rock. So no matter what I am, I know who I am. So I'm going to praise you yeah, for that. Yeah, right, right. So if the rocks can do that, why can't we? When things get tough. And better yet, praise him before things get tough. Praise him all the time. Praise him when you don't feel like praising. See, you ain't always feel like praising. Again, feelings. Your emotions ain't going to always make you feel like praising God. But see, what you got to start doing is you got to say, oh, blessed my soul. I want to praise God. You got to make yourself. Your flesh ain't trying to be praise God. You're going to be tired. You're going to be sleeping. You're going to be cantankerous. You're going to be irritable. You're going to be like, I ain't here with you. They told me stand up. I ain't standing up. I don't care what they say. <laughs> That's your flesh. Because your flesh know that on the other side of praise is breakthrough. Yeah. When, the, when the walls of Jericho are supposed to fall, what did God tell them to do? You walk around that thing praising God. First I want the trumpets to blast. And then I want the priest to line this thing up. He said, I only need the army to go yet. I want the praise to go forth. Because when the praise go forth, the army ain't got to do nothing but walk in and take over. The battle is not yours. The battle is not yours. So he runs to praise, but then he does something. He leaves his servants. He leaves his servant behind. And I was like, God, what, what, what are you saying right there about him leaving his servant? Why are you leaving? Why did he leave his servant behind? And I don't even think Elijah got it why he did that. And God was like, the servant is, remember I said in the beginning about the servant and the son. See, the servant was that immaturity. That servant was that immaturity. He was leaving behind his immaturity. He was leaving behind that thing that hadn't quite made it there yet. See, he might have thought he had it all going on, God, because he done called the fire down. But God said, no, it's still a little bit you need to leave behind. It's still a part of you that ain't quite fully mature yet. It's a part of you that I need to grow up a little bit. Because you think you really hearing from me, but you ain't hearing the complete thing. You only hearing part. You know why I know your hand part because you still receive a message from Jezebel. Ah. See, when you hear all of God, you won't hear nothing over him. Ah. Amen. Amen. See, when you are, when you really hearing all of God, you won't hear nothing over here. Now, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not there yet. Right. That's a process mm -hmm. because see, the, the, it's a fight. It's a fight. You got you got your flesh against you. You got your conscience against you. You got your rationale against you. All that stuff is fighting against what God is trying to speak over here. You got your flesh, your conscience, your rationale, and you got the enemy yeah. with his suggestions. You got all that against God. But how many know that God is greater than anything that you can put up against yeah. him? All you got to do is keep saying, God, I can't hear you all yet, but keep on talking because I'm getting closer. I can't hear everything you just said, but keep on talking because I do want to hear. I'm thirsty for it. I'm hungry for it. I want to hear everything you got to say, God. I know I ain't receiving it all. My tuna a little broke. I got an antenna with some aluminum foil on there, but God, I'm going to lift it up as high as I can so that I'm going to hold my leg out like this. You know them old TVs, you have to hold the antenna one way and hold your leg out the other. He said, but 
Keep on doing that. Yes. And watch the reception come in properly. Mm -hmm. And then if you get closer to God, he says, I'll get closer to you. Once you get close enough to him, you'll stop having to receive them UHF signal. And God said, I'll be broadcasting in full HDMI. It'll come out in so crystal clear that you won't see and hear nothing else but me. Yes, yes. But you got to leave some of that immaturity behind. You got to leave some of that childishness behind. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I did as a child. He said, but now that I'm a man, I put away what? Those childish things. That's what Elijah was doing right here. He's leaving his childish things behind. But there was some process. Because in verse 4, it says he, he went on his day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down by the tree. And then he started asking God, take my life. Take my life. See, that lets me know it's a process because he went directly into the wilderness. See, when you find yourself in the wilderness where things are wild, where things are seemingly out of control, where you don't have no, no control over nothing, God sometimes is using that to take you through a process. See, cause see, when you in, when you in control of everything, then that's called manipulation. And manipulation ain't nothing but a hop, skip, and a jump to witchcraft. And God says, I don't want you operating in manipulation where you making things happen, where you twisting things to happen, where you forcing things to happen. No, I don't want you to operate like that because then you operating like a Jezebel. You operating counter against God. You speaking the word of God, but you trying to manipulate it for your own way. He said, I don't want you to operate like that. I need you to leave some things behind. Leave that manipulation behind and get out into this wilderness where you don't know where your next meal coming from. Get out into this wilderness where you don't know the next time you might hear from me. Get out into this wilderness where you might not know the next person is going to come along, whether they're going to be friend or foe. Get out here into this wilderness, just like he did Christ. And it says, who led Christ into the wilderness? The Holy Spirit. Amen. Led him into the wilderness. And so then we see Elijah sitting there saying, take my life, take my life because I'm not any better than my daddy or my father's. I'm not being better. See, the transition is still happening. He's, he's trying to grow up into a man, but he's still holding on to these childish thoughts, these fearful thoughts. Because he said, I'm just going to be like my father's. The devil is a lie. For somebody sitting here right now, whatever somebody spoke over your life and said, you're going to be just like your daddy. You're going to be just like your mama. The devil is a lie. If there is a line that has been drawn, if God says when you receive him, then you receive a new DNA. He don't care how you was born. He don't care how you was raised. He says, when you receive me, you got a blood transfusion. Your, your DNA might have meant that you were predisposition for this, but now you don't receive my blood, which is my DNA. So, yeah, you might have been born that way, but you was born again. So know who you are. Know who you are. It's, it's not what your fathers did. It's now going to be what you going to do. Yeah. What you going to do? And so then we see what he does. He lays down and he falls asleep under the tree in verse 5. And then it says that the angel started touching him. Uh -huh. The angel started touching him. Mm. What is an angel from God? Anybody? What is an angel? Messenger. A messenger. Anybody getting this? Mm. Who sent first? Jezebel sent her messenger. Now God is doing what? Sending his messenger. 
Because he sees that Elijah is now ready to leave these things behind. He's ready to humble himself because he might have been a little prideful. Because, you know, if you can call fire down from heaven, you might think you can float and walk on water. I'm holier than thou. I'm better than this person because I don't go through those things like they do. I don't have to worry about those things. I got a better job than them. God is blessing me more than them. My, my this is bigger than that. And all. So you might get a little above yourself. And God will be like, no, chicka, chicka, chicka. I'm going to ratchet you down a couple of notches. I'm going to bring you down just a little bit. Just a little bit. And sometimes you can be walking in that and not even know that you're walking in that. I was that way. I had a good job and all that back in the day. And I didn't know that I was walking in false pride. Some call it humility. It's the same thing. You play humble, but you really got a false pride. You got pride going on. And God had to ratchet me down all the way from a job up here to flipping burgers at Crystal. Amen. But how many know that going through that process will humble you? When you got 16-year-old kids working right beside you and they making the same money as you. That's a humbling process. Amen. But God takes him here and he says, I'm going to touch you. I'm starting to touch you with this message. And here's the message he says, arise. That's the first thing he says, arise. That means get up. You've been laying down too long. You've been sitting in the same place too long. It's time to arise. And what does arise also mean? It means change position. See, when you land down, you're in one position. But when you arise, you get into another position. God is telling him right here. He's saying, come out of all that. Okay, you done, you done heard the, what the enemy got to say. You done ran in fear. You all worried and, and busted, broke and disgusted. Now you all here talking about, just kill me, God. Just kill me, God. Again, not knowing the will of God, praying the wrong prayers. But now God is saying, no, it's time out for all that. The pity party is over. It's time to arise. Change your position. See, you can't, you, arise is almost like seeing the sun. We wake up when? When the sun arises. So then it says, arise and see the sun. Well, who is he really saying? Arise and see the son of God. He's saying, arise and see this word. Arise and see who I am. And then he gives them a second command. He says, eat. So we got to rise, change your position. Now eat. Then in verse 6 he says, Then he looked and behold, there was at his head. At his head. Interesting. At his head. What happens in your head? Thoughts. Doubt. Fear. Worry. Suspicion. Suggestions. Commands. Thoughts. Imaginations. Images. And at his head was a bread... Cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Here we got the angel of God, the messenger, came with him and gave him two commands. Arise. See, he gave him commands. The enemy gave suggestions. I'm going to kill you tomorrow. But I got a messenger. I'm just sitting there by. God sends his messenger with commands. Arise. Change your position. Get up out of this mess you in. This ain't how you supposed to be. You got stinking thinking going on. This ain't who I made you to be. This is not who you was called to be. You better than that. You stronger than that. You bigger than that because you are mine. I got my hand on you. Do you not remember that? Did I have my hand on your life? The enemy can only suggest, but I'm coming with commands. I'm coming with declarations and the things that are declared or things that have to happen. 
And he says, Arise and eat. And then he lays, he lays the bread and water beside him. Bread is represented as what? The word of God. The word of God. In John 6, it says that Jesus says what? That he's the bread of life. He's the bread of life. So it's very symbolic right here that he's getting bread and water. He's getting the bread because the bread represents Christ. But Christ, we all know based off of John chapter 1, Christ is what? The Word of God. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then in verse 14 it says what? That the Word became flesh. So we can say that if the bread equals Christ, then Christ equals the Word, then what was laid by His head? The Word of God. So that's what God is saying. When you're going through some things, when you're dealing with some things, when you're dealing with all these issues, he say, lay that word by your head. Put that, he said, put that word by your head. But it says bread. So you can't, again, you can't just lay it up under your pillow. He says, eat, eat. Meaning take this thing in. Meaning, meaning pull it into your system. Put it into you. Digest it. Make a, eating is a process. Eating, eating takes, takes action. It takes action. Somebody can fix you food all day long, but if you don't sit there and eat it, you will never get full. Amen? So he says, take this bread. That's why God says, give us this day what? Our daily bread. This is a bread you got to eat every day. You can't just sit and eat it on Sunday and think that you're going to be full for the rest of the week. That meal that you eat today, that's just for today. God said, no, you got to eat again tomorrow and the next day. As a matter of fact, it's really the best time is to eat after you done ate. See, we get filled up on one big old meal and instead of a whole bunch of snacks. God say it's time to start snacking. It's time to start snacking throughout the day. Quit filling up on one big meal thinking that's going to get y'all through. Because what happens when you fill up on one big meal? You get the itis. <laughs> Just like Elijah did right here. What did it say? He ate and drank and he lay down again. <laughs> he went to sleep. See, some of us receiving the word today. Some of us getting what we need today. But then all we're going to do is go right back and lay down again. We're going to have spiritual items. We get so full of the food, and we get so full of it, we don't give it out to nobody. We barely even give it to ourselves. But we get full up. It was good. I got the word. It was meant for me. I heard it. Now I'm back to sleep. Lord, it's so, I'm so tired. Ooh, what did I eat? I shouldn't have ate like that today. Lord, that was some good food. It was so good. It was so good. I can't even remember what it was. What did the pastor teach on? I don't know, but it was so good. Ooh, it was so good. I'm so tired. Let me just go home and go to sleep. And that's what Elijah does. He lays down again. And then it says the angel of the Lord in verse 7 came again a second time. And he touched him again. See, God said, I'm going to keep putting my hands on you until you get this thing. I'm going to keep talking to you until you get this thing. And he says the same time again, arise, eat, same command. Get up, boy. It's time to get up. You keep laying down with this thing. This is not who you are. This is not what I meant for you to do. Arise and eat. Jesus. 
And then he tells him why I want you to do this. See, some of us are eating his word and eating and all this stuff. And, and also with the water, drinking the water. The water represents the spirit, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And God is saying that I want you to drink the spirit of me into you. Because when you drink water, it goes into your body. And then it helps to cleanse your blood. It helps to circulate things around. God says it's through the spirit of God that the things will begin to circulate properly in your life. Things will begin to move properly in your life. He said, but you got to drink it in. And then when you drink it in, you can't go back to sleep. You can't go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. But see, this is what he tells them. He says, arise and eat. Mm -hmm. Why? Because see, a lot of us will go to sleep right after we eat. eat Because we don't know why we ate Mm -hmm. in the first place. See, some of us eat just to eat. Mm -hmm. And this is what Elijah was doing. Mm -hmm. He was eating just to eat. I'm hungry, so I eat. And that's what we'll do with the Bible. We'll read the word, or we'll come to church and we'll hear the word. I eat, just eat. I, it's Sunday, I'm supposed to go to church, I go to church. Then I go back home. And that's it, or I go out to eat and then go home. That's what happens. Because you don't know the purpose of eating. And this is what he tells them the next time. Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. That's what you eating for. Because this journey that we on called life, it's too great for us to walk this thing out without the food of God. It's too big for us to carry by ourselves. It's too heavy for us to go through by ourselves. It'll weigh us down if we try to do this thing all by ourselves. God says it's time for you to eat. It's time for you to bring this thing in to where you're supposed to be. He says because if you don't, this journey will destroy you. This journey will take you out. He says but if you arise and you eat. If you get up out of your position that you in and you start to eat this word, truly eat this word, meaning study to show yourself approved. Eat this word every single day. Then guess what will happen? He said then, then as in it says in verse 8 so he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength in the strength of the food. 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. 40 days and 40 nights. 40 is the number of trial and tribulation. God say, you're eating because you're going to go through some things. He said, you're eating because you're going to go through some trials. You're eating because you're going to go through some tribulation. You're going to be tried. As a matter of fact, the more you eat, the more you're going to be tried. Because see, when you take this word in and you stand on this word, don't think nothing ain't going to come to test this word. When you when you plant the seed of the word, don't think no weeds of the enemy ain't going to grow up to try to choke that thing out. You believing in finances and, and getting your finances in order, don't think that the enemy ain't over there talking to your boss about you losing your job. He said, don't think that when you believing on one thing, that the enemy ain't operating as well. But God said, don't let the enemy have more faith in his suggestions than you do in my command. He said, do you have the faith to arise? That means get up out your position. When you arise, that means that you you, you ready to do something. If you sit in that chair and, and, and I walk up to you like this, and I walk up to you, and you still sitting down, I don't know what you really ready to do, but now if he happened to get up, stand up for me. See, I don't know if he's ready to buck, if he's ready to get at me, so I might take a step back because I would expect him to change his position. That's what the enemy will do. When you when the enemy comes to you and he's he talking to you, you ain't going to be nothing. You ain't going to be this. You this, that, and the other. All you got to do is get up and get in his face. Arise. 
and say you are a liar. The devil is a liar. God says I'm the head and not the tail. God says by his stripes that I am healed. God says that I am a royal priesthood. God told me that there's nothing I can do that will separate me from his love. God told me that I shall be the first and not the last. God told me and that's so. But see, you can't say that while you're sitting down on your seat or laying down all the way talking about, devil, this is what God said. This is what he said. Because he know the word itself. He quoted scripture to who? To Jesus. He quoted the word to the word. But see, he know the word, but he don't know the message. He know the word, but he'll never have the revelation. Amen. He know the word. Turn lastly right here. And I'm finishing right here with this. I want you to see something right here. Turn to turn to Psalms 25. Psalm 25. I said Psalms like they do in the old school. Psalms. Ain't no S on there. So you might not find Psalms. You'll find Psalm though, 25. Because see, God says that that. The, the bread is the word, but see, without the word, see, it's, it's two things that got to come together. So you can't just eat the word. You got to eat the word and drink the water, meaning you got to ask the Holy Spirit to be there because the Holy Spirit, even Christ said, I'm the, he's the word. He says, when I leave, there'll be another that will come. He will be the comforter. He will be a teacher, and he will bring to remembrance all the things that I have said. Think about that. So he's saying, yeah, eat. this is all Christ is saying. I'm the word of God. I am the word manifest. But when I leave, there will be another come, the Holy Spirit. He will bring back to remembrance what I said. Meaning he will bring back to remembrance the word of God. When will he bring that back to your remembrance? When you're going through. But now you got to get the Holy Spirit something to work with. You got to get something to work with. How can he bring something back to remembrance that you ain't never put into your memory. You never put it in. You never put it there. So when he comes to show up, he's seeing something that's empty. An empty vessel. A vessel that has nothing in it but the messages from Jezebel. He's saying, yeah, I, 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 I done heard these messages, but this ain't the truth. He says, I'm the Holy Spirit. I operate in truth only. So all this stuff you got up in you, I can't process this. It ain't no use me bringing this back to your remembrance because it serves no purpose. The Spirit of God, it says in John 16, that the Spirit speaks the Word. So when you're reading this Bible, when you're reading the Word and you're studying, never study and never read without asking first that the Holy Spirit lead, guide, and teach. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because that's when the revelation comes. But I had you to turn to, uh, what, Psalm 25? Psalm 25, verse, verse 4. Psalm, I got to get down myself now. Give me a second. Psalm 25, and I said what? Verse 4. Psalms 25, verse 4. Okay. And this is what I want you to focus on as you're eating this week. That this this verse, this chapter, I want you this to be your key focus this week. If if you gotta read it once a day, twice a day, I'm not gonna put no no command on it. These these are suggestions that you read this to yourself. And it says, Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me 
your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you, I will wait all the day. This is what he's saying. Make me know your ways. Make me know your ways. See, that word make, that, that lets you know you ain't going to come to this thing willingly. You ain't going to come to this thing all by yourself. You got to be forced into it sometimes. You got to force your flesh. Make me know your ways, God. Make me. I know I might not really want to because I don't feel like it. I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like reading this thing. I don't feel like talking to you right now. But make me know your ways, oh, Lord. Teach me your path. See, God says, I'll teach you all that you need to know. Then he says, once I make you know, and then I teach you, then he says, then I can lead you in my truth. Then why? Because God is the God of salvation. And then he will wait on you. Just like you're supposed to wait on him. See, we got to understand the fact that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter how we looking at the issues, never let the issues that you're going through, the circumstances that you're going through, the situations that you're going through, never, ever, ever let it become your destiny. Never let what the enemy say, never let what you say to yourself is not in the word of God. Never let that become the foundation of your your destiny. That is not your destiny. That is not what you're going through. That's just that, I mean, that is just what you're going through. That's not where you're going to. I say that again. That's not where you're going to. That's just what you're going through. Test that. But you got to have confidence in this thing. And know that no matter how hard this journey is sometimes, no matter how hard it may be, no matter how heavy it may be, just like they said, Elijah got the strength from his bread and from the water. And it didn't say he even eat, had to eat anymore after that. He ran for those 40 days to Mount Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, which was the mountain of God. That means what? He ran into the presence of God. He ran into the presence of God. And then we know, as we, if we read the story on further, he saw God in a way that he never saw God before. Because he looked for God in the earthquake, he looked for God in the fire, he looked for God in all these all these manifested ways that he was used to. God says, yeah, this is what you was used to, but now I'm going to show up in enough. I'm God, I can show up any way I want to. He said he came in a small, quiet voice. A voice. And all that represented was a transition from the law to the grace. God says, I'm giving you the grace to heal me. I'm giving you the grace to do my work. I'm giving you the grace to carry out this thing. I'm giving you the grace to move through this journey. But you got to have confidence. If you don't leave with nothing else, I always say that. Because I, I, I know I put a lot in your, in your belly. But if you don't leave with nothing else, leave with the fact that I'm going to have confidence in the word of God to get me through this journey. I'm going to have confidence in the word of God to get me through this journey. I'm going to have confidence in the word of God to get me through this journey. I'm going to have confidence in the word of God to 
get me through this journey. That's what you leave with. You can't remember nothing else. I'm going to have confidence. And what does that mean? That means sometimes you're going to have to call on yourself because you might not truly believe but you're going to have to make yourself believe. Amen. You're going to have to make yourself. It, it ain't what it look like. I don't believe all that, but this is what it says, so I guess I got to force myself to believe it. Yeah, my situation look funny right now. My bank account look uh, negative 200 to nothing, but, 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 but over here I got confidence. So I'm going to con myself into this word that God is going to give me resources. God is going to show me where those resources are. Because he ain't going to make them fall out of the sky. Man, is over with. Amen. He's going to show you where that job application is. He's going to show you how to do your resume. He's going to show you how to budget your money so you won't be negative 200 again. Amen. But you're going to say, God, show me how to do these things. Teach me your ways. And I got confidence. I got confidence. Father God, I just thank you right now that your people shall have confidence. That we shall have confidence in your word. That we shall not cast away our faith. But that we shall have confidence in it. That we shall wrap ourselves in the faith of your word. That we shall wrap ourselves in the trust of your word. And like Paul said in Ephesians, that we shall put on the helmet of salvation, knowing that it is protecting our mind, the salvation of God. And then we shall put on the breastplate of righteousness, that our heart is being put in the right standing with you, God. And that we shall gird our loins with, with truth, meaning that we shall reproduce the truth in our life. That we shall do what we are called to do. And Father God, that we shall have the sword, the sword of the spirit, so that when the enemy attacks that we attack him back. We arise up out of our situation and we say that who the enemy is, that we attack him back. We don't wait for him to come. We take the battle to him. It says in the word of God that the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violence taken by force. So we stand in force. We stand in unity. We stand in agreement that no matter what the enemy comes with, that we can stand in confidence. That the word of God is more than enough. Is more than enough. For every situation in our life, there's a word from God to make that thing work out for our good.